You're listening to audio from the Town Center campus of CA Church, located in downtown Coquitlam. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Thanks be to God. Amen. You guys can have your seats. Thank you, Jeff. And I'll just pray for us. Uh, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, its timeless truth. What a passage for us today in our culture to hear read over us. Uh, What a worshipful moment that is, just to listen to what you have to say about our worry, about our anxiety, about the everyday battles that we face as your followers. Would you help us today? Uh, In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Uh, How are we doing, everybody? Doing okay? Awesome. It's so good to see you guys. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors in our church, and I'm really glad to be here uh, preaching today. This is... um, Honestly, yeah, I think this might be one of my favorite passages of Scripture, and maybe for some of you today, it is as well, uh, Jesus' discourse on worry and anxiety. And so I do want to talk to you about worry, about your worry, about the worries that you face, but I just want to uh, inoculate something right at the beginning, okay? Jesus, the word that he's using is actually specifically about everyday worry, everyday worry that we all face. He's not talking specifically about anxiety uh, disorders or people who are overwhelmed by mental health issues, right? He's not talking specifically to that. However, however, doesn't worrying feed into that? Doesn't everyday worry that we all struggle with feed into those things and make it more difficult for people who struggle with that, myself included? And so God is speaking to us about our everyday worries, uh, I like how one author said it. His name's William Inga. Uh, he's a playwright, novelist, lots of, lots of things, amazing guy. He wrote this. He said, Worry is a thin stream of fear that trickles through the mind. And if it's encouraged, it'll cut a channel so wide that all other thoughts will be drowned in it. Isn't that true? Worry can paralyze us. Worry can stop us dead in our tracks uh, in a moment. You know, I was on a way too loud flight from Calgary to Abbotsford. Uh, I have kids. I'm patient with kids, but this flight was loud. Man, it wasn't just the baby screaming. It was a loud flight. But we hit just a little bit too much turbulence. You know what I'm talking about? Boom. The plane was silent, (laughs) right? Worry is powerful. It can, it can stop us. And Jesus knows that. He knows what worry is. Uh, he knows its power over you and over me. Um, and so he speaks to it here. Conventional wisdom, when it comes to worrying, uh, what's conventional wisdom say, right? Um, don't worry. Be happy, right? Uh, I hear that. And I'm like, oh, that's a good song. I like, I like the vibe. But also, it kind of sounds like just be better, uh, it just sounds like, stop, stop. Have you ever told somebody who's worrying to stop worrying? Uh, how effective is that? It's not very effective. Hey, be happier. Just be a better man up. You know, just be better. Uh, it doesn't really help. Um, and there's actually quite a lot of religiosity in a statement like that. And so what I want to do is go to Scripture. I want to go to Jesus, and I want to say, Jesus, what do you have to say to us? I'm actually going to shape my sermon around the way that Jesus talked about this. I think he was on to something. There's two parts to the section that Jeff re- uh, read for us. The first section, Jesus is talking to you and to I, his listeners, about what it means to be a human. He says three things about that. He says that we are treasurers, that we are seers, and we are servants. That's the first part. And then the second part, he says, okay, now that you've heard that, now I could talk to you about worry. Okay? So that's how we're going to shape uh, the sermon today as well. 
If I, if I, <laughs> I think if you and I were to ask Jesus, how do I stop worrying? How do I deal with this? Uh, I believe he'd say, I know the answer. I can help. But we need to get on the same page first. You need to know what I think about you. And so from verse 19 to 25, Jesus tells us about what it means to be human. And then verse 25 to 34, he teaches us about overcoming worry in an unconventional way, a way that might be new to us today. So the first part, what makes us human? How does Jesus see us? He uses three word pictures, uh, the first of which, he says, is we are treasurers. He says humans are treasurers. In verse 19, he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, excuse me, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I think... Um, I grew up in the church, uh, and when I, when I read that growing up, I, it sounded like to me that Jesus was getting after me about treasuring. Um, I don't know if that's how you heard that today, but that's, I just want to help you. That's actually not what he's saying. He's not getting after you about treasuring. Okay? He's not getting after you about tre- being a treasurer, as if storing up beautiful things was a terrible thing to do. <laughs> he's not saying that. That's not the case. Jesus is actually showing us that to be a treasurer is to be human. The problem is not that you're treasuring, it's your treasure. What is your treasure? That's what Jesus is interested in talking about. Here Jesus is showing us that to be a treasurer is to be human. He's saying, look, whatever you have, whatever you treasure, that's what your heart loves. Not just simply the things that you have, but the thing that you treasure. That's what your heart loves. Maybe, maybe you don't have a lot of self-awareness. You don't know what that is for you. I would say it this way. Whatever you love is the most contagious thing about you. Okay? So the most contagious thing about you is what you love. So where, what is your treasure? What do you love? Jesus is after it. He says in verse 19, listen closely. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and thieves can destroy it, but do <laughs> store up treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust can destroy it, where neither thieves can break in and steal it. So what should we avoid treasuring, and what should we actually treasure? Uh, Scripture experts, when they're talking about it, um, what Jesus means by moths and rust and thieves, Scripture experts, commentators, theologians would say that the moths represent what nature can destroy, your favorite shirt, your favorite suit, okay? You know what I'm talking about, some of you guys, right? What rust can destroy, right? That beautiful boat got boat cancer, which is also known as rust, right? Or what people can break in and steal, your favorite guitar, maybe, whatever it is. Um, Don't store up, don't treasure stuff like that. Treasure, um, treasure what God loves, Instead, what we should treasure, Jesus gives us the answer. In verse 33, he says to treasure his kingdom and his righteousness. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. In other parts of the Bible says, all these things will be added to you. Why should we do this, Jesus? Why? Because moth and rust and thieves break in and steal and destroy things. Because nature, time, and people destroy things. Because everything other than God and his kingdom is insecure. Treasure what you can secure. 
What can you actually have secure? Everything else is insecure. It will leave you. You cannot have enough security systems. You cannot have good enough insurance. You cannot have enough of a watchful eye to indefinitely protect everything that you have. Eventually, it will leave you. Jesus isn't really getting after us about treasuring. He's getting after us about being too materialistic. You're like, wait, isn't that an iPad, John? Isn't that... Aren't you wearing an, an Apple Watch? <laughs> no, I mean, we all struggle with this. Materialism. Jesus is saying, what do you treasure? What's most important to you? Guess what? It's going to leave. You're not going to have it. Why would you make that the thing that your heart loves most? Treasure something that is secure. Treasure God, his kingdom, and his ways. It's what makes you human. Can your earthly treasure ever be secure? No. So why invest your heart there? You're a treasurer, and that's good. So who will have your heart? The second thing Jesus teaches us is that we are seers. In verse 22, he says, The eye is the lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. Uh, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Here, Jesus is talking about the different ways that we see in different lighting. So some of you, I can see, right? I can see your face. I can see uh, how you're listening. Some of you, I can't see, right? And you're like, I'm going to sit in the back where you can't see me, right? There's, we see things differently in different lighting. Uh, what Jesus is getting at is that our eyesight is incredibly important, not just physically, but spiritually as well. He's saying humans, being a human, means being a seer. Being a human means a strong, natural reliance on sight, on how you see, and that's a good thing. The problem is not that you see. The problem is the lighting, right? All of us photographers said amen. The problem is the lighting. How, can you, how well can you see it? Um, my family and I like to vacation in Florida when we can, and Florida, if you know it, is a crazy and wonderful place. <laughs> it is a crazy place, though, and one of the things that makes Florida crazy is its um, helmet laws regarding motorcycling, okay? In Florida, if you want to rent a motorcycle or whatever, you don't need to wear a helmet legally. Crazy. So guess what I did? I went to Daytona, and I went down to the Harley shop, and I rented a bike, and I said, can I rent that motorcycle? They said, yes. Would you like a helmet? I said, of course. Yes, I would like a helmet. Some of you were like, whew. Okay, good. You almost lost credibility, John. Yeah. So yes, I rented the helmet. And then they said, okay, and do you have eyewear? And I said, no, I don't have eyewear. They said, ah, oh, can't let you get on the bike. I was like, what? I says, pardon? He's like, yeah, no, eyewear. It's, uh, it's against the law if you don't have eyewear um, to wear on the bike. Can you th think of that, okay? It is, it is legislated <laughs> that you need to wear sunglasses while riding a motorcycle in Florida, uh, but not a helmet. God bless America. Okay, why? <laughs> why? Because if you're going 50 miles an hour, right, speed limit, and a piece of dust gets in your eye, you are essentially a bomb. <laughs> okay, you're, you're going to blow something up because you're going to crash very quickly. And eye wears important as you ride. Um, humans are seers, and it is incredibly important, not just physically, but also spiritually. Um, if their spiritual eyesight is bad, then everything about them will be full of darkness, the problem is not that you rely on your sight, but it's the kind of light that you see in. Um, I'm reminded of something that C.S. Lewis said. 
Maybe, maybe you know the quote. It's one of his most famous things that C.S. Lewis said. He said, I believe in God uh, as I believe in the Son, for by it I see everything else. Okay? The Son lights his world and his universe, and so he sees everything through the light of the Son as he does with Jesus in his worldview. Um, Lewis isn't here today. So let me tell you what I think he means. Um, Lewis is talking about the story of God. He's talking about the coherent faith of following Jesus, of following who God is and how that makes sense of reality, how it places me in a moment and how it helps me see the world, helps me see everything. Jesus is after our worldview and what we understand. He's saying, you don't know what to treasure because your body is full of darkness. Your worldview is bad. You think important things, you, th you think of unimportant things too much and important things too little. How, do, how can we change, Lord? Like, like Lewis said, what is God spotlighting? God spotlights the least of these. God spotlights what is pure and what is blameless and what is holy and what is good. So these are the things that we ought to treasure, right? The kingdom of heaven and God's righteousness. Maybe you'd rather go away. Uh, maybe you'd rather go another way and, and, and walk away from that idea of a, of a Christian worldview, and that is fully in your, um, your decision-making ability. But, but I believe Jesus would say to you, what light will you walk in then? How will you know what is important and what isn't? Are you seeing things clearly? Can you see what to treasure? What light are you using to see? Uh, out of the three word pictures Jesus gives us, the third one is that humans are servants. Humans are servants. If you have your Bible, or maybe we can put it on the screen, verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. Uh, something I love about uh, Gen Z, I, I pastor a ministry called Ethos, Young Adults, and uh, something I love about Gen Z is their recovery of servanthood, the dignity of servanthood. That they kind of, I would say, Gen Z loves uh, authenticity. <laughs> and I love that about them. And they gawk at things that are pompous and arrogant. And we're actually seeing that change in our world today as we look at politics. And when things are pompous and arrogant, we're like, ugh, that's disgusting, right? And I love that, that servanthood is getting some dignity again. That we actually think that this is a good thing. Why do we glorify a person who is on the front line, a first responder? Why, why do we want to do that? Why do we uh, call people heroes who lay their lives down on the line for other people, who, who serve in such a, a, an amazing way? Why do we care about it? Because it's what it means to be human. Because being a human means being a servant. And we celebrate those who give their lives for others. Because to serve another is what it means to be human in the deep down, right? Deep down. When I see somebody serve, I think it's beautiful. When I get to serve, it's rejuvenating because it's what it means to be human. Jesus isn't getting after you or me or his listeners about being human. He's not getting after us about serving. It's the same paradigm as the first two pictures. He's getting after us about who we are serving. You're a servant. That's good. I made you that way. But who are you serving? 
Is it God or is it mammon? He's pushing it back against the distortion of our humanity. Why do we treasure the insignificant? Why do we choose to walk in the dark? Why do we want to serve a petty and, and feckless and weak God like mammon who turns us in on ourselves? Why? That's not what you are. You're a human. You'll serve one or the other. So let's get into what mammon is. What is mammon? Uh, the word mammon is an Aramaic word uh, pronounced mamonas, and it is... Um, roughly translated as wealth or obsessively treasuring worldly wealth, okay? And some of you are like, yeah, I want to do that, <laughs> right? No, it means it's a negative connotation, okay? So it's a negative connotation of obsessively treasuring worldly wealth is not a good thing that Jesus is using. And what I like about most Bibles um, is that they actually leave the word mammon untranslated because Jesus is doing something. He's personifying worldly wealth into a small g God. He's saying, look, there's God, your father, who loves you, who cares for you, who would give his very life for you. And there is this God named Mammon, who is obsessed, who's all about obsessively treasuring worldly wealth, right? And like in Aboriginal uh, mythology, that God would be the fox, the God of greed, right? So these ideas that we just want to live and walk in this way. Um, he identifies worldly wealth treasuring as following the God Mammon, I think the, the word or the way that people live as they're following mammon is best characterized in the English word, mine. That's mine. Okay, I have a six-year-old daughter. We had a bunch of girls over for, a bunch of her princess girls over for her birthday party. And there I was, AFV style, holding a pinata, right? Like this, as far away from me as possible. And these little girls are walking up with much too big of a bat. And they're, they're swinging at the pinata to break this pinata open all over the floor. And none of them can get it open. Little Damien comes and he goes berserk on this, <laughs> on this uh, pinata, smashes the pinata open. And poof, candy's everywhere, right? And these princess little girls turn into little monsters. <laughs> like, everyone was like, is that my child? Like, oh my gosh. Like, ugh, right? And, and, and they were, mine, it's mine. And they're scratching each other and hitting each other. And kids are crying. And, and this is what it looks like to follow the God of Mammon, okay? Um, just kidding. I love my kids. But you get the idea. Uh, the best picture I've seen in, in a movie was in the first movie of The Lord of the Rings. And I know you guys love Lord of the Rings, okay? That's why I went for one. Uh, Lord of the Rings, A Fellowship of the Ring, okay? F uh, Frodo and Bilbo are meeting up in Rivendell. And uh, Frodo is carrying the Ring of Power. If you know the story, he's carrying the Ring of Power. And he's got it, he's got it close to his chest. And Bilbo, who used to have the ring, uh, really wants to touch the ring again. And Frodo, knowing the power that it has over people, denies his uncle. And I think Peter Jackson and, and whoever did the makeup on this uh, CGI is incredible. But what happens to Bilbo's face as he reaches out to strike and to hurt his beloved nephew, Mammon takes over his body and possesses him into a demon, right into a goblin, and his teeth are sharpened, and, his, and he becomes this monster, and it's mammon. And it's in all of us. And this is what Jesus is saying. Why would you want to serve a God like that? Look what he turns you into. 
Jesus characterizes him as a small g God, not a, not a capital G God. It says humans are servants, and that's a good thing. You don't get to choose that you're going to serve. You will. But you do get to choose whom you will serve. Now that we've heard Jesus tell us what it means to be a human, we understand, in a way, how he sees us. He moves to talk about our worry. He says, okay, you're ready to hear me now. You're ready to get my advice on what it means to worry and how to overcome worry. Jesus is showing us that actually worry is incompatible with the vision I've just given you. Being a treasurer, being a seer, being a servant, being a human as I've made you, worry is incompatible with that. It doesn't line up with the reality that I'm talking about. I like how John Stott, who's a pastor and preacher, once said this, to become preoccupied with material things in such a way that they engross our attention, absorb our energy, and burden us with anxiety is incompatible with both Christian worldview, Christian faith, and common sense. What I think Stott means is that worrying is not just a bad idea, it's a harmful idea. It runs against the grain of what it means to be a human. Have you ever cut something against the grain, like whatever it is, you cut a steak badly or whatever, and you, you cut it against the grain, it's ruined, it's distorted. Worrying is doing that to who you are. So we know, okay, John, we get it. We know we need to stop worrying. It's not good for us. What we're trying to figure out is how. How do we do it? How are we supposed to overcome the relentless worry that we all face? I think there's two ways. I think there's two ways that we try to do it when worry is overwhelming. Number one, we try to control the worry. And number two, we try to avoid the worry. Okay, so some of us try to control the worry, all right? Uh, we try to control the worry by embracing it. We try to beat, <laughs> we try to beat worry at its own game. Uh, and um, we try to outsmart our worries and we try to insulate ourselves from outcomes uh, that we can't control. And uh, surprise, surprise, it doesn't work. Um, it works in a way, right? You buy, let's, let's say, you, you buy your favorite car. You finally can afford to buy this car. It's a beautiful car. You've wanted it your whole life. Every time one, one went by on the road, you, you just, you know, you just looked at it, right? And so you have to have a great garage. And so you get a great garage and you get a great security system. And then you put amazing insurance on that. And then every night before bed, you go and tuck your car in. And the car is, is actually not, not the object anymore. The car, you're the object. You're owned by this thing. So you, yeah, in a way it works. You can insulate yourselves from harm. But in the process, you lose your heart. You, this thing, this materialistic thing swallows you alive. And all you can do is think about it. And all you can do is worry. And controlling it doesn't work. Uh, you know this is you when, when you try to overcome worry by embracing it. You let worry become your modus operandi, right? An old way of talking about it is a worry wart, right? It's always worrying. You're always thinking about it. You're always itching at it. It's just getting worse and worse and worse, right? You know this is you if beautiful people and things surround you, but you can't enjoy them because your mind's somewhere else. 
because your worried soul has sold itself to unimportant treasures and it's driven you away from the things that are actually important and it's distorted your humanity because you try to control this thing. We all do it. I like how William Ward said it, who's a missionary. He said, worry is actually faith in the negative. It's trust in the unpleasant. It's assurance of disaster and belief in defeat. It's a worldview. It's a way of living. Okay? We can't secure our stuff, and so we shouldn't try to control it. Uh, Don't believe me? Go ahead and try. Okay? Second one. Second way we try to deal with worry is we try to avoid worry. Avoiding worry is, by my estimation, the most common way that we all try to deal with this. I was with some people this week. I'm like, hey, do you ever struggle with worry? They're like, no. (laughs) Never. (laughs) No. (laughs) It's like the one who must not be named, right? It's like, no, I don't know. I don't struggle with worry ever, man. Never. Uh Uh-uh. No, no way. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I only asked you once, right? It's like... We're just embarrassed by worry. We don't want to be seen as somebody who worries, and so we avoid even the idea of it. And we follow conventional wisdom that says, don't worry, be happy. Um, but <laughs> what, if, what if this is beyond our psychological ability to push past our worry? Right? What if we actually need help here? Um, avoiding it isn't going to help. Denial of a feeling is not a good gospel. It's not a good way to live. It doesn't work, avoiding worry. It's like when you're a kid and you bring your report card home and you don't want to open it, (laughs) okay? Or as an adult or a young adult maybe, or anybody these days, you go to your bank bank website and you don't want to open it, right? Because we're we're worried, so we avoid, right? So then what happens is we try to medicate and and we used to have a full tub of ice cream in the freezer, but we don't, (laughs) Right? Because we're just trying to feel better and push past this idea and avoiding, about, avoiding our worry. But it's not realistic. Um, it's not a realistic solution to the experience of common, everyday worry. Uh, instead of trying to control our worry, and instead of trying to avoid our worry, Jesus gives us a third way. Jesus gives us a third option. Instead, he says, notice. <laughs> what? Yes, Jesus says, notice your worry. You want to know how to overcome worry? Notice it. When you feel an overwhelming sense of worry, notice it. Take note of what you're worried about. And like Jesus, ask yourself, why am I worried? What am I afraid of losing? Why does this thing scare me? What am I afraid of failing at? Remember, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice worry. And once you notice the worry, remember, right? Remember Jesus' lesson. To treasure what is right. To see in God's lighting of the situation. What he says is important. What he says is unimportant. And to serve God. Right? To know that he is in control of my life and to give him all of who I am. And so worry goes from being something that we fail at controlling or fail at avoiding and actually becomes a tool for transformation in our lives. It becomes a place where God is actually teaching us to follow him. So it, Jesus is not doing anything different. He's showing us that we need to notice it. <clears throat> um, I, you know, when I was, one of my favorite moments in um, 
the Avengers series is when uh, Loki is standing at Stark Industries and all the, all the heroes are defeated and he looks over New York and he says, bow, worship me, right? And then Hulk kind of comes out of the side of the camera and he like grabs Loki by the ankles, you know the scene? And he just like smashes him like <laughs> 10 times, like right into the pavement, like so many times, right? And then he just like huffs and he's like, tiny God, right? And, he's just, and he just walks away. And, and, what, what, and I love that scene, right? I love that scene because we see the power of a false God displayed on a screen. And Jesus is kind of like the Hulk here, okay? Go with me on this. Jesus is exposing something in your life. He's saying, okay, look at, notice this thing. Notice the worry. Behind every, behind every big worry in your life is a tiny little God, a tiny little God, and his name is Mammon. What are you going to do? I don't know what to do, Lord. Trust me. Trust me with this. Trust me with this worry. Trust me with this area that you're scared. I don't know how to trust you. Okay, I'm going to reveal more of your worries. And we're going to learn over time, slowly, as you, as you enter into the arena of spiritual transformation and you grow, you will see that worry becomes a place where God is teaching you about his love for you. Where God's teaching you about the little gods that are hiding in your closet where God is helping you overcome worry, why he, where he's helping you remember to treasure what is right. He's remembering you to, helping you remember to see in the light and to follow him, to serve God. Tiny gods create big worries. If you find yourself in a pattern of worry, notice the worry. That's what you need to do. That's the way out. Notice it. <clears throat> Realize the opportunity to grow in your understanding of who God is, of how your heavenly father cares for you. I'm almost finished here. I want to show you this last thing. In verse 26, he says, <clears throat> Jesus says this, look at the birds. He says, okay, notice your worry. Why are you worried? All this stuff. Now look, look with me. Look at the birds. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't gather crops. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more important than them? Jesus is saying to us, why are you worried? Don't you understand that worrying actually does nothing to help you? Okay, Lord, what am I supposed to do? Trust me instead. I don't know how to trust you. How do I go from trusting you? How do I go from not trusting you in this worry to fully trusting you with my life? God teaches us, right? Lord, help. <laughs> uh, I'm struggling. Help me out of this situation. I'm worried about my money. I don't know what to do. What does God say? Look at the birds. What? That's not helpful, Lord. I want money. <laughs> money, Lord. Help me. Look to the birds. God, I'm overwhelmed by anxiety. It's taking a hold of me. It's wreaking havoc in my life, in my friendships, in my relationships. I can't hold a job. I can't do anything right. Help me, Lord. Heal me of this anxiety. Okay. Look to the flowers. What? <laughs> That's not an answer, Lord. I, I want your help. Heal me. Yes, okay. Look to the flowers. Why does Jesus say this? <clears throat> John Calvin once said, the birds and the flowers are preaching to us. The birds and the flowers are preaching to us. The number of ways that God can speak to you through his creation is without number. Okay? That's what I love about creation, walking through God's world. It's amazing how God can speak to you. But one thing I'll say, uh, for the sake of time, 
is Jesus is teaching us something about these birds and these flowers. He's saying, look at their lack of worry. Look at their lack of worry. They have a lack of worry because of God's rule in their life. It's unquestioned. They know what they are. Do you know what you are? Are you worried? The birds and the flowers are preaching to us. You know, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what a bird and a flower would sound like, what their preaching voice would sound like, right? Maybe it's like, hey, look at me, right? <laughs> the bird, look at me, look at, look at, look at my life. I don't, I don't toil. I don't spin. God takes care of me. I don't even have a house. I'm just trying to wake you guys up. That's the, but let's, like, honestly, the birds and the flowers, they know God's, they, they trust God. They, they, they have an inherent trust in all of creation. Worry doesn't come from the kingdom of God. Jesus shows us that the birds and the flowers are pointing the way out. It comes from treasuring what is right, seeing in the light, and serving God instead of mammon. Okay, so don't be disheartened. When you worry, okay, don't be disheartened. It's going to happen. But when you worry, what it, what's happening in your heart is God saying, okay, here, you're ready. You're ready. You're ready to go here. You're sensing worry. Now's the time to bring this to me. Now's the time where I want to reveal a little G God in your life. Now's the time where I want to show you something about where you're following and living into mammon, where you're living outside of who God is and who you are. So don't be disheartened. Look at it like spiritual transformation. I want to give you some handles, though. I know this can be difficult. Um, I find it difficult in my own life. So here's some baby steps, okay? The first thing that we need to do when we feel worry is not try to control it or avoid it, but to question it. Notice it and question our worry. Ask, like Jesus does, why am I worried? What is so important to me? Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. They're not worried. They neither spin nor toil. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more, much more important than they? The second thing we do is reinvest your energy. Reinvest your energy out of worrying and into God's kingdom and his righteousness. Try to live into this humanity that he's calling you. Seek his kingdom. Seek what is good. And lastly, to receive the day. To receive what you have. You can't worry, right? I think it was uh, Kirk Franklin, like the old gospel guy. He said, worry is interest paid on tomorrow's trouble. <laughs> right? Just receive the day that you have. Receive what God has given you as your daily bread. Don't worry about tomorrow. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for uh, my friends today, Lord, where they are struggling with worry. And uh, Lord, I pray for help where they have been overwhelmed. And maybe they're ashamed that they haven't trusted you. Um, Lord, would you show them your kindness now? Would they see you as their heavenly father? Lord, in my own life where I worry, and I, I make unimportant things too important. Help me again to see things in your light, each one of us, Lord. Help us to follow you with all of our heart, to serve God uh, rather than mammon. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. 
If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.